this is Eric. And this is Trey. And welcome to the Big Boy Gaming Show. Uh, today we're going to be talking about real life events. We're going to go over uh, Diablo 4. I'm going to talk a little bit about Alan Wake and some stuff I'm looking forward in the future. Maybe I won't forget now, but there is a fishing game that has sort of caught my eye. Trey, have you had anything cool go on in your life? Uh, not really. It's been kind of a, a slow week. Um, I got a bunch of, uh, holiday plans, but other than that, um, really just been chilling out, watching movies with the wife and playing, uh, Mario RPG. Oh, you got the new Mario RPG. I'm going to have a lot of questions about it. I'm seeing it pop up in my newsfeed all over the place. So I'm sure it's spectacular. Oh, it's definitely a clean remake. Um, yeah. I, I have no complaints about it at all. That's cool. Uh, and then, like last week, I was like, it was like Wednesday, and I said, "I work." I was like, Next week is Thanksgiving. Like, how fast did that sneak up? It was like it was October, then Thanksgiving's like the next day. It was so quick this year. I know. I had, I'm I'm lucky to work at a company that that makes it a three day week on Thanksgiving and Christmas, all the major holidays. Yeah, I'm on the other side. We're 365 days, and then now we're at a sort of a spot where everybody's requesting uh they're requesting a day off for christmas day and uh now they don't have anybody to work and they don't promise some people shifts and then they took some shifts away so like people are upset and shaking their fist and you know honestly i i would like to see the kids open their present but that time and a half i'd rather get that money that dollar bill y'all is good yeah, it is. That time and a half makes it, 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 it helps out in all the right places. It's like money we don't need, and then we have like an abundance of money. But uh, yeah, and then it's been sort of slow with me too this week. Uh, we had the grandsons yesterday. Me and uh, my grandbaby went outside and we messed around in the yard some, picked up some sticks. I let him run around. He definitely knows Pa. He said, Pa. And then we go get a popsicle, and he's uh, he's adorable, man. And then the day I was going to take him out on a tractor, but both of our, like, the man cave and her craft room are in shambles right now because, like, um, the boys are getting bigger and we want a room for the boys. So we're going to move her craft room into my man cave. We've laid down new floors. I mean, the flooring's down and uh, the walls are painted. My wife pretty much just did all of it. Lori is just like, uh, a worker ant with that stuff and then she has been complaining about these outlets like the outlets need to be changed i have no experience i don't like electricity i've seen somebody die through electricity i don't want to touch anything i can't see that can kill me and um we dropped the hint on the neighbors like hey we need these wires done and uh he's like yeah sure uh, you know I'll, I'll do it it ain't no problem i used to be an electrician and we ask him name a price and then he dodges us for a few days so i can tell he's just being nice and he don't want to do it so i come home and replace three of the outlets and uh we threw the breaker every time before i took an outlet off i stuck a multimeter up in there and didn't see anything move then i'd pull it apart just to check and make sure i wasn't going to die but uh once we got it all hooked up it took me like two hours she threw the breaker back on and all the lights came on. So I guess, you know, hooray for me. I'm sort of proud of myself. I told her, uh, you know, we'll discuss payment later on. I was, uh, I was a little bit worried about you, but if I, uh, I figured if you didn't log on today, I guess it was your time. Yeah. yeah I wouldn't have felt anything, dude. It'd been, <laughs> she even opened the door and then I had this, like, 
I had this fear, like, you know, if she wanted me dead, you know, the grandsons are in there with her. All she has to do is throw that fucking breaker. <laughs> <laughs> he was working on it. I told him to disconnect it. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was constantly in the back of my mind, but I'm still here. And then like uh, Thanksgiving, we got, we're doing ours on Wednesday. Um, I'm deep frying a turkey and maybe the first and last time. Who knows? Because I do not like turkey and all the kids are coming over. We have an issue with my wife's or Lori's brother, and uh, uh, he is, like, not held, like, accountable for his actions. And then my daughter was telling me she's sort of uncomfortable. He made this comment at this. First off, when my grandson turned one year, uh, we had his one-year birthday party. There was, like, 100 people there. Everybody brought him gifts. And my brother-in-law shows up to a one-year-old birthday party just walking around with a bottle of, like, Evan Williams in his hand. Who does that, man? Seriously. And he made a comment that deeply hurt my daughter, and she doesn't care for it. And then we were asking, they were asking me this year, hey, are you going to invite your brother-in-law over and stuff like that? And I said, well, let me ask my daughter. And the daughter said, no, she's uncomfortable around him. Uh, this guy has got all the breaks in his world. His mama keeps spelling him out. And then, like, this year they're asking me, and Alyssa says no. And I said, well, I'll be the bad guy on it. I tell, you know, my mother-in-law, I said no. And they wanted to know why. And I said, well, you know, he's not been held accountable for anything he's done, you know, at all. And it's not, don't blame it on Lori, and don't blame it on my daughter, or whatever this is coming from me. And... It's kind of had a uproar or whatever, but, you know, that's not really positive. It's just, you know, a thought process that's been going on for a couple of days. And sometimes I feel like I have to be the bad guy to, you know, take the heat off the family. And that's okay. You know, I sort of, I would be uh, lying if I said I didn't sort of enjoy it. So, but it is what it is. Yeah, we have, we have a phrase in the mental health world called anxiety as the catalyst for change. And uh, you're absolutely right. Like when, when he gets bailed out for every crappy thing he does or every illegal thing he does, like what, what incentive does he has have to change? You know, and when we feel anxious, that's usually when we decide to like start looking at our life and changing the things that bring us anxiety. But really, I mean, he's, he's going to keep doing him until he faces one of those repercussions. Yeah, I don't think I really grew up to to when my uh, our grandmother died or whatever, and the safety net was cut, and then you know it was time to grow up real quick uh, right then. And but it is what it is, you know. It's uh, it, he's been, I don't know. I hate to talk bad about anybody or whatever that can't defend himself, but it's been it's been a time coming. It really has. So has that progressed at all? Well, uh, one thing is like for number one, they got him in a good rehab place that was going to hold him for, you know, a year and he couldn't leave. And then it's a two part situation. So she's sort of an enabler, my mother-in-law. So, uh, when her current boyfriend broke up with her, I guess she got alone. And the first thing she did was go down there and bring him back to Alabama. And then a few days ago, they called and they were crying that he was in jail and she didn't know what to do. And I was like, 
it's kind of on wasted tears or you know there's not got any purchase around us miss carrie uh she he's got to work his own stuff out you keep that's not your son anymore that you're raising and uh yeah yeah i asked her is there any way you can get him back in rehab she said no i said there's got to be another one but i don't know man it's not my fight the best thing i can do is just cut that negativeness out of my life and then focus on the kids and the grandkids right and we can't change others we can control our environment to the best of our ability though yeah that's correct and then i guess the other thing me and you had been talking about is uh the new anime i've been watching that scavengers reign and i can thoroughly recommend it to anybody who sort of just have like a passing interest in anime it's really out of this world and it's not something i can explain without you was telling me about episode and i said well you know it just sounds like anime and then it's something you have to see in person to actually appreciate the beauty and what was done with the anime it's very dark as um, the premise is people trying to survive on like an alien planet with very little tools or technologies to assist them the way they tell the story is like narrative driven through you know visuals and stuff you see going on in the background it is uh, it, it, it's worth a watch yeah, I, I always dislike flashbacks. Like I, I feel like that's kind of a lazy way of like telling a story. But uh, they they seem to do a really really good job of keeping them sparingly, giving you just enough that you can kind of piece together what's going on. I mean, sometimes they're on the nose about it, but it's not like in your face and um, just kind of a cheap way to push the story along. Really, the thing that makes that anime beautiful is like the the ecosystem on the planet. Everything is really, really odd, but it kind of makes sense in a very, very twisted way. Uh, the story is is good, but just looking forward to the next little creature that they come across and how they utilize that to survive on a hostile planet, that's, that's checking a lot of boxes for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know... Uh... Another, we, I've sort of done like a good introduction about myself, you know, some of the games that's had influences over my lives. And, you know, uh, one thing I think we should discuss on the show today is, you know, our favorite types of video games. I always, I have this fear, like a reviewer goes out there and reviews a game and then they're not really a fan of say like strategy games. And then they're stuck with this review and then the review will be a little bit uh, negative compared to somebody who was very enthusiastic about the game. So when I speak about games, uh, I want the audience to understand more about uh, where I'm coming from. Uh, uh, let's see here. Now, uh, I'll go ahead and say, and I can't really speak for Trey, but now I've played just about any kind of video game between Animal Crossing and Mortal Kombat uh, and everything in between. If it's a good game, it's a good game. You know, uh, there's different things that make a good game. It could be the engine. There's been a few games I bought just on graphics alone, like the uh, motorcycle game that launched on the PS5 looks so real. You know, it was a purchase because of how fluid and how smooth it looked. Uh, so I'm not turned off by any, you know, oh, it's a QC cartoony game. If it's a good game, I'm going to enjoy it. I really am. I'm uh, in the same boat. As, as long as it's a good game, I'll, I'll play just about anything. Uh, as far as, like, categories and stuff like that, like, uh, my top, 
several games that really gets us hooked it hooks in me is like i like hack and slash games uh the i've talked about on the first episode the very first game i've ever played online was diablo so i've been playing hack and slasher since diablo i remember when diablo 2 came out and i was one of the first ones to get it and play it on the computer uh i'm really big in a turn-based tactics and strategy game so turn-based tactics would be something smaller scale like squad on squad i enjoy that and i actually play squad on squad tabletop miniature games uh against other people i get a big kick out of uh you know trying to get the upper hand by outsmarting and then the strategy games that's sort of a different uh domain like civilizations I'm big on civilizations, and then I think there was another one called Endless Space. I got its hooks in me for a while. Uh, I like Civ because of the management and seeing your empire grow. I probably ain't the best in the world at it, but you know I've I've won several games. And then the other thing is like with as far as strategy games go, there's different kinds of strategy games. I don't know a strategy. If you would consider something like uh, SimCity a strategy game, I guess that's more simulation or whatever. But I, I'm I sort of like we got on Farming Sim uh, 2022 a uh, few months ago, and we absolutely adored it for like a week. Yeah, man, I think I think the hay barrels broke us. Yeah, yeah, the hay barrels was <laughs> a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And uh, as, to finish me up, I have two more would be a survival horror. I've uh, We had Resident Evil when Resident Evil first came out. Uh, I do like a survival horror where there's an ability to defend yourself. I don't like cowering and trying to sneak around and having... Now, I will say Aliens Isolation did it uh, really well. You did have a weapon, but you couldn't really kill the alien, which is whatever. And then fighting games. I'm big on fighting games. I'm not really good at it because I don't get the practice I need. It's really hard to get people to come over to the house and sit down and playing one-on-one. And, you know, so I I always make the mistake of a new fighting game like Tekken 8. Tekken 8's coming out, and I know I'm going to want Tekken 8. And then I'm going to play it for like three or four days, complete the story. I don't really do online, but uh, I'll complete the story, and then I'll have that buyer's remorse because there's nobody to play. Nobody wants to come over and try it out or anything else like that. But that's usually uh, every fighting game goes that way with me. Uh, do you have uh, do you have a favorite types of games or your top five or anything like that, Trey? Yeah, I'd say that my, my probably my top two, and they're kind of wedged in there together, uh, is is survival builders. Um, absolutely love them. Valheim was like an absolute blast to play. It's probably one of my favorite. Um, I was one of the early alpha adopters of, of Minecraft back in the day. Like I think I paid five bucks for it when it first came out. Fell in love with it. Back then, there was like there was none of the the level up or anything like that it was like literally you just went and collected wood and and build a base sort of thing i think maybe even in alpha you didn't even collect resources it was just like basic basically god mode and you had everything um but that's that's really what turned me on to those and i've played just about every big survival crafter that that comes out from from Ark to Valheim, like there's a couple space ones that I played. Those are always iffy. Um, they uh, they have a lot of good premise, but it seems like every single space survival crafter out there is in beta. Like I permanent I, beta, yeah, permanent beta, man. Like they 
there's really, really good ones out there. Um, I'm going to draw a blank on their names, but there was one I was playing where you basically terraform the planet you're on. It starts out desert, and as you build things like humidifiers and stuff like that, the planet starts developing like grass and oceans, and um, you you slowly watch this entire world transform into a lush living planet with animals and everything like that. But again, that's in beta. Uh, it's probably the most fun I've had out of a, a space survival crafter. Next would probably be RPGs, a level up system. Uh, the more immersive, the better, which is also kind of why I like survival crafters. So if it's a good RPG and there's a character creator, um, there's like really good stories where you could you could be the character and make choices and things like that the more i can lose myself in the video game and feel like i'm the main character the better but i'm also not opposed to like standard rpgs like uh, me and my daughter's favorite rpg is probably uh, persona 5 um, i joined the persona uh, train really really late i think persona 4 golden was one of my yeah. first um, but she and I, she earned the nickname co-pilot because we would sit there. She's probably six, seven years old, sitting next to me, uh, helping me solve puzzles and like giving me direction. And, you know, like with a kid, like you want them to, to feel useful. And, um, and if there was something that I was, I was looking for, like she'd look it up for me and, and tell me where to go and, um, who to talk to in that moment sort of stuff. I think, that's probably where you and I diverge the most. You're iffy. You'll play survival crafters, but you kind of get burnt out on them real quick. I know you touched on that in the last podcast. Um, you will also play RPGs, but they have to be absolutely phenomenal. I'm kind of the same with fighting games. Like fighting games are probably my least favorite. Uh, just never. I don't really like competitive games all that much anymore like when i get off of work the last thing i want to do is get stressed out by competing i just kind of want to chill and put on a good easygoing game maybe cut down some trees and build some bases sort of stuff um but yeah you've always been bigger into the fighter games than i have one thing that you and i do have in common though we we have a strong love for those crpgs Baldur's gate is probably the last one that came out and i know you were a big big fan of the originals Baldur's Gate with uh what's his name with the hamster the space uh, hamster Skimboo. yep yeah. Com- space combat hamster absolutely yeah uh, that's that's probably where we well, although we like racing games too man and you know I di- I didn't hear you put that on in your top 2 but I'd say that that was I haven't seen you that excited for a game um, I haven't seen you so excited for a game than when Horizon came out. Yeah, yeah, there's a little details they put in the car was really good. And maybe the reason I didn't mention, because I have a really good steering wheel for racing games. I don't have a rig, but I have a steering wheel on, uh, um, what do you call it, a uh, sawhorse. And uh, I give a heck every now and then, but uh, racing games have been really missed here lately. There's, I know there's like a Horizon ripoff on uh uh, the PlayStation and everything else right now, motorsport something, but yeah, the racing games have left a lot to be desired. You know, if I if I had to put a third, um, a third game on my list or third genre, I guess on my list, 
I'd say I, I really like uh, slice of life games. Like Persona Five was a good slice of life, like where you there's romanceable characters and you build relationships and you're basically just high school kids like going to school in between like saving the world sort of stuff. I like that sort of stuff. I do too. The main thing there is there's so much stuff to do after school and you don't have enough time to do it all. So I, I didn't like being forced out of, you know, the options here. I wanted to see them all because I enjoyed them. Yeah. You know where my stance on games that are timed, like I, I do not, it doesn't matter if the game is a 10 out of 10, I will not play a game that is timed. I just, I don't like that pressure. Don't know why, like just having a, a countdown timer constantly. It's so bad that I don't even like games that have chapters. Like where, like, uh, Alan Wake does it. Like you beat a level and it's like end of chapter. And like, it, it shocks me out of that immersion and lets me know that I'm getting closer and closer to the end of the game with each chapter that I complete. I don't, I don't like that feeling. I don't know why Persona 5 was different. Like. Maybe because if you if you looked at the days as chapters, there were so many that it felt like there was plenty of options. And you can do everything in the game in one playthrough, I believe, but it that pigeonholes you into playing a very, very specific way. And I don't really care for that. Now and then speaking of RPGs, you mentioned earlier that you was playing Mario RPG. Tell us what you think about that one. I absolutely love Mario RPG. You know, that was one of my favorites when we were coming up. I don't know where you got that game from, but you brought it in from somewhere, probably got it from a friend, um, and fell in love with it back then. Square Enix, you know, Final Fantasy VII was probably my favorite game for, um, I'd say, at least 20 years. Like, the, the story was just amazing. It was the first time I ever played a game where you experienced a true loss of a character. Um, so Square Enix was very close, near and dear to my heart, and to find out that they developed a, um, a game, a Mario game, basically with the Square Enix for, format, just I, I fell in love with it. The remake is almost just 100% like cookie cutter, except for the graphics are updated and the gameplay is a little bit polished. There's a few things here and there that are changed like they've added a few things like a few challenges but if you if you weren't paying attention you would never notice like they're they're very very subtle about it i think so far i'm about eight hours in and if you rush through the game it's about 15 hours long but if you do everything it, it turns into a, a probably a good 20 hour 30 hour game um, but I think in the eight hours that I played, there was one box that was different from the original, uh, Super Mario RPG, but it's, it's improved. Like they, they didn't change anything about the game that made the game beautiful. They updated the graphics and that's, that's a true remake to me. Like they yep. knew that they had a perfect, uh, game. They didn't try to change anything. They just made it prettier and released it. Well, that's good. Uh, have you uh, made it any further on Alan Wake? Yeah, I, uh, I it's kind of slow going because I play it in bursts between uh, my wife's my narcoleptic my narcoleptic yep. wife's uh, naps or whatever. But um, I made it. Well, I don't want to give any spoilers, but I've got to play like basically the new 
uh, well, I don't really know how to add it without doing spoilers, and I know a lot of people hate that, but I've progressed uh, probably about four or five hours past when you and I last talked. Yeah, well, you're probably about the same area as me. Uh, there's a different kind of puzzles now where you sort of take something and add something. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, what did you think about that? How, how uh, like, the swiftness in between, like, when you're holding down a button or whatever, it's just like, click, and then, like, it look, it, it's just, I don't know if they could pull that off with the old consoles or if they need those new drives or whatever to make it load so fast, or, but it, it, it's phenomenal the way it pulled off. Very striking. I know. Like, I, for one, I know this is such a, a small thing to get obsessed over, but the sound that you make when you use that ability is like very, very soothing to the brain. Like, I don't know why it feels good, but there's a little piece of, because if you're taking, there's a little bit of druid behind it as well. So, Oh yeah. Uh, the, the game does a really good job of making you feel pressure the yep. entire time you're playing, which is not, you know, Alan Wake and this game kind of did it in the beginning. And I haven't got, I haven't got a good break in a while. But this game, it feels like like the pressure is always on. You don't ever know when you're safe. No. Um, you don't ever feel truly safe. And I will add that this whole, this ability that we're talking about has, like, it gives you some control over your safety. But that almost makes it worse. Like, that no. No. That makes you feel like every every decision you make as far as using that ability, like, bad things are going to happen. Now, uh, and then when I first got the ability and then I opened up out like, uh, it opened up sort of, and it was like, Hey, you need to go to this area. I was like, well, bunk that. I'm going to go explore everything else. And I think I'd finished everything perfectly because I had like an excess and I was like, Oh, well, if I'd have went through there, it probably told me to go back and do this thing I just did. Oh yeah. And have you noticed that, uh, like the game artificially, uh, it artificially like levels out the amount of ammo and batteries. Yeah, uh, I figured that you would have noticed that because I know your uh, complaints on Resident Evil Two. Yeah, like, but that that was kind of a cheap way to do it. Resident Evil Two, like, when you had a lot of ammo, like, you shoot a zombie in the head like thirty times, and then finally it falls over and dies, like, uh, to kind of create a, a sense of like, like, yeah, uh, I don't know how to put it, but. resource drain yeah yeah this one actually they did it really good i have no complaints about it like because if you get low on ammo the next enemy you kill is going to drop ammo you know yeah the time to kill stays pretty consistent too which you know i understood that was one of your problems with resident evil 2 yeah there's no reason a zombie like a basic zombie should take 10 rounds you know yeah and then uh I guess my big thing this week is uh, Diablo 2. Uh, we had talked about it earlier, uh, and then you called me my last day off on Friday, and you asked me, and you was like, uh, well, are you really enjoying it or, or whatever? And the thing was, is like I didn't have anything else to play. Uh, I'd seen it popped up a couple times online about people were enjoying it and stuff, and I try to wait for Alan Waite till my partner's around, so she likes to watch it too. And uh, so I turned it on, and then... You know, I play a little bit, so all right, this seems like a lot. And then I cut it off, and I said, well, I'm bored again. Let's cut it back on. And when you asked me, I was, it was just starting to get its hooks on me. So uh, there's uh, several games that do, like, I don't know, live service. We're going to come back to that later. 
And then with these live service games, there's always like different seasons. And some seasons are better than others. And uh, I remember what Diablo 3, one of my favorite seasons was, it's been a couple years ago, but it was the season of the Luke Goblin. And I honestly think I lost my virginity in that season. There's like so many fond memories that I just think back at. Uh, there was Luke Goblins everywhere. And then soon you kill a Luke Goblin and it explodes in like glitter loot everywhere. And you loot everything and a portal opens up from his soul and you go through there and it's full of more Luke Goblins. Like it was absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> just but, so much dopamine just slamming through your veins like every yeah. time you kill one. Every season pass out point like really failed. Uh, I mean, nothing was as good as the Luke Goblin season because they just, and then, you know, at the end of the season, your character's sort of invalidated. You have to make a new seasonal character for the next season. And, you know, that fun's been lost, but, uh, they've really, uh, done a really good job on this last season. I know they've snatched the rug out from under us and right before season one launched, they nerfed a whole bunch of stuff. They made it longer to portal out the dungeons. It seems like everything they were taking out of the game was just to slow it down so people would play it longer. So they said, uh, they said, with this new season, there's like, it's 40% faster to level up. And I can tell you right off because I skipped the story and went straight to post game. And in less than a day, I'm already level 50. In less than a day of playtime, I'm already level 50. I'm already getting like item level 600, which I think caps out and uh you know your regular tier one the other thing is the flow the the flow so there's a storyline quest that goes with a season to do with the vampires it's called the season of blood and you go talk to it's a green exclamation point you go out there you talk and next to where you talk at there's like a bounty board too it's it's like a second battle pass on top of a battle pass in a way so when you do quests for them or you kill vampires, you get XP and you can go to that bounty board and this one's free. It has like a list of cosmetics, weapons, and resources you unlock as you level up with that, uh, that faction. This, uh, faction unlocks pretty much what it boils down to. So I'm doing a quest with the vampires. I do like three or four and it's like, all right, progress further in your seasonal challenges to unlock the next one. I, I think I finished them around level 40. Uh, all of the quests, uh, they probably, I don't know, 10 to 15 something quest total. It's not a whole lot there. So the flow of game is each area gets taken over by the vampires. Uh, then they have these markers on the map. It says, well, go destroy five vampiric structures, free five civilians and destroy two seekers. And when you do that, like, it seems like, now I could be wrong on this one, but when I go out there and I do like two of them, it's time to go back to the Tree of Whispers. I hit that Tree of Whispers, that's like a level and a half. And then I go back out there and finish the last one because your quest quits progressing when your Tree of Whispers is full. I go back out there and finish that one and I get like a level and a half. But then, like, they drop these things called Blood Lures. And you use these Blood Lures, it takes 50 of them, and 50 takes probably... uh I don't know, 30 minutes to get, uh, and you take 50 blood lures and put it in these three pedestals and it summons like, uh, several, three ancient, uh, bosses. And when you kill those, those drop like two legendaries each. And then you finish the area. You done got another level and a half. And it's just like a constant stream of dopamine hitting on all the right. Now, if you want to level up, uh, the quickest way to level up is to run through dungeons. 
You run through the dungeons, like I try not to slow down. I see a group of enemies, I run up there, I hit them as hard as I can and just keep moving, just keep moving. They've streamlined the dungeons as well, so there's not a whole lot of backtracking. Every now and then you'll get a key room, and then there'll be a path that goes left and a path that goes right. You make it to the end of those paths, you get a key, you bring it back, you insert it. At, I've never felt bogged down with uh, the dungeons. There It's like a speed run, like a mini speed run. How, just how fast can I get through it? When you finish it, bang, you get a level. Uh, it just, it, it, it keeps going. And then, uh, and here's the kicker. Tomorrow, uh, November 20th, they are doing the Mother's Blessing. So they're adding another 35% to XP and gold drops at the same time. And it's going to be on for a week as well. So I, if you have interest in Diablo, and Diablo has bit you in the past, tomorrow is a good damn time to try Diablo to see if this is a, if you're going to give it another go. Tomorrow's the day to do it because I think it's 45 plus another 35% XP plus gold. I haven't sold the first item in the game. I have over 2 million gold sitting at like level 48 right now. I think I am. So it's, uh, I've had a blast. I have had an absolute blast with it. I can't get off of it. I can't. That's all I do now. Uh, you sounded uh, kind of like on the fence about it when we first talked about you getting back on Diablo. But uh, this uh, this last time we talked about it, I could I could definitely hear the excited the excitement in your voice. Yep. Uh, it's going to be a controversial topic because you know Blizzard's getting a lot of hate right now, but uh, and rightfully so. Like they yep. they've made some really really terrible decisions. Um, but hopefully, hopefully they turn it around and return it because I think this this Diablo had the biggest fall off of of fan base out of any Diablo, any Blizzard game that has come out. Um, just within a few weeks of the game dropping, I think they lost over half their fan base. So whatever that they were trying to do, uh, the opposite happened. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and this one really seemed to be in good faith. It does. It plays a lot. It's a lot faster. There's always loot on the screen. Uh, the levels are always consistently coming. Like I remember when it first came out, it seemed like at 30, that game came to a halt, man. It just slowed down, slowed down. It is a lot better now. It feels closer to the speed and ferocity of Diablo 3. And in December, they're adding greater rifts. They're calling it something else. But uh, greater rifts are a lot of fun. They, they did say that the final greater lift uh, rift, whatever they're calling it in Diablo 4, is not meant to be beat. That's pretty interesting. No. Uh, they do that a lot with World of Warcraft, you know, when those uh, like you see some of the top guilds like smash their head against the, the bosses trying to beat them and trying to beat them. And a lot of times it ends up being a tuning issue. No. Yeah, well, I I think they're designing it to fail at like a certain level, just where you can't progress any further. Just to see, I I guarantee that they're trying to gather data from it to see at what point do people fall off. Like, let's do this, uh, let's do this puzzle with an infinite curve, and let's see where people start losing interest, and then they tune their game to that interest to keep people hooked. I guarantee that's what they're doing is pulling data off of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, companies like that are like big think tanks, a whole bunch of like psychologists and people that sit in a room and think about how to drive engagement and like how to drive like microtransaction prices and stuff like that. So every time you get on a game and, you know, they got a, a skin for $50 and you're like, ah, oh, you know, that's 
that's dumb. Like who is ever going to buy that? Like I guarantee that that is, that is very calculated. They put a lot of research and data into it and um, they came up with that price basically off of some sort of algorithm that they have running in the background. Now, granted, I say that, but I'm pretty sure that they did the same thing with this release of Diablo and, and man, that algorithm was not right. Yeah, well, uh, uh, this latest season uh, got me to buy the Battle Pass. So whatever they did this season, if the Battle Passes are any indication that they did a good job, they're going to have to show up for season three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you know that's part of it, though. Like, they, they released something that blew up in their face, and now they're adjusting. And, and over the course of Diablo's lifespan, you know, they're going to fine-tune and figure out just as much how much effort they got to put in. And this sounds really negative, but it makes business sense. But they're going to figure out exactly how much effort they have to put in to get the most bang for their buck yeah. sort of thing. So, yeah. Well, is there anything else you're playing currently? And maybe you'll be playing Diablo with me tomorrow. Um, I'll probably pl- be playing Diablo with you. Um, I know that you know, by the time I get off work and uh, we got about two hours to play, um, unless it's the weekend sort of thing, but... Um, I've already got it put on my computer and and ready to go. So I'm going to save, save, create me a new necromancer until I know that you're ready to play. Yeah, I'll be on it all day tomorrow. I'm sure. Now, uh, other than that, is there any new games or anything you're looking forward to in the future? Yeah, I went through like a little, uh, a little spending spree. Uh, let me open up my steam library. There's a couple that I, that I power dams a little bit. <laughs> drawing the power. I definitely don't have the the most out of anybody, but I I think I'm I'm well into like 700 games on my Steam library. Um, so the last couple that I've been playing are a couple indie games because you know I love those. Um, I've been playing Death Must Die, which is a really really dumb name for a game. But it's kind of like vampire uh, survivors mixed with uh, Hades a little bit. I think I saw somebody review uh, the game on Steam, and that's what they said. And it's it's pretty spot on. It's closer to vampire survivors than it is Hades. But uh, I I am on the fence about it. I'd give it like a solid like six or a seven. Um, I know people are iffies about six. It's worth the price. I think it was like maybe around. 10 maybe 13 dollars or something like that but uh it's hard it's very very hard i've I've played probably about 20 30 runs now and probably about 17 in i managed to beat the first boss um and then you know it just keeps going until you eventually die there's three characters in it right now again it's in it's in beta i play a lot of betas uh the other game i've been playing anvil saga they had a uh, 1.0 release where uh, this game is basically like you you play as a blacksmith and you it's a kind of like a survival crafter almost except for um, it's not open world like you start with a little anvil and a and a house and you upgrade your house and build rooms that allows you to hire people that help you around the forge and um, you get uh, you basically have people that come up to your forge and they want you to build things for them and you get money it allows you to upgrade that sort of stuff that little dopamine loop is is something i like my yeah that and then like delegating tasks is a big strong selling point to me you know final fantasy my life as a king was like that 
Oh yes. I love, I love crew management if they do it right. Absolutely love crew management, especially if you like, if the crew is like a permanent fixture and they level up and they get better and they get their own skills. And this game has all of that. My complaint, and it's a pretty big complaint, is the game chapter one was absolutely phenomenal. And when you hit chapter two, I have run into nothing but bug after bug after bug. And there is like a, just like a, a sandbox mode where you don't have to do the story. And I haven't really tried that to see if the bugs are still there. But I mean, the game went from like a solid eight out of eight or nine for me uh, to like probably like a two as soon as chapter two rolled over. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, the bugs are that bad and break like one bug. I couldn't shut down my shop. So like I had people constantly showing up and like basically if you don't serve them in time, like you get like a negative uh, mark and people like there's factions that you got to please. And if you please them, you get boons. And if you displease them, like if they're if they're um, what are the, the amount that they like you goes down too low, you start getting essentially curses. Um, they start taking like I have I've pissed off the bandits and now they come into my house and like steal things so that's kind of a big deal for you not to be able to shut down your shop especially when your characters have to sleep that is a big old bait and switch yeah man like yeah i uh let's go in there this dude got hot dog and they're getting in there and they i'm put chili on that bitch yo and they they ain't nothing cobwebs he keeps trying to shut the door There's there's nothing you could do to stop it. You you could stand there and watch him as he he steals your chair. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know whatever reason, uh, but th- that's what they tend to come in. Like they they'll walk past the expensive ass uh, sharpening stone I have and the like the three hundred gold costing bed and like just beeline right for my rickety kitchen chair. But uh, I guess <laughs> that's <laughs> spiteful in a way. <laughs> you will not sit in this house. They're like, uh, who, what guard's going to believe you? Dude, like, <laughs> you mean he walked past this diamond and just took your chair, dude? Seriously? <laughs> Especially after the 10th time I've come to him, like, all right, man, I, God, the guy just keeps coming and stealing my chairs. <laughs> but uh, other than that, there's a, there's a game that I talked about, I think, in the last podcast called The Bloodline. And it, mm-hmm. it's a survival crafter crew management sort of thing like you start out as like uh i think you're like a prince maybe maybe a king um but you you have like a castle and you go out and it's kind of like minecraft like you you cut down trees and stuff like that but you build up your kingdom and you build like bakeries and and everything like that there's combat in the game there's mountain mounts in the game like it's all really satisfying there's skill trees like i went the necromancy route so i have like i can summon skeletons that get up and fight for me you know i love necromancers so um my my big complaint about that though is they're they're buggy so like they come out of the ground and they like they like wobble and then they don't really do anything but once that game gets some polish to it that's going to be a really, really good game. That's something to keep an eye out for people that really like survival crafters. And that one was called Bloodlines? Yeah, called The Bloodline. Okay, I'll check it out. Uh, I guess, uh, other than that, that's all I've been really playing. Uh, you know, there's some things for the future I'm looking forward to. And I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, like, there was a fishing game. 
So the Call of the Wild series, you played that one, right? That's like the open world hunting game. Yeah, I did. I suck at it. I enjoyed it. I played it for a little while and everything, but they have a fishing game out called uh, 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 Call of the Wild, The Angler or something like that. I've seen a couple gameplay videos. It's a newer game. It's just recently launched. And then, like, I saw some gameplay videos. Uh, it looks sort of like the Far Cry 5 fishing. I don't know if you remember the fishing in that. I, I guess, you know, 6 was sort of the same way. But uh, uh, I don't really care for saltwater fishing as much as I do freshwater. And then I think 5's had, like, a distinct look. Like, it was, I was going after fish I knew, you know, at the same time. But... That game's actually on sale right now on the PS5 for like $35. I was thinking about trading in some of my older games I don't play anymore and then using that money to get a card. It's digital only, so you can't go out and buy the disc, which kind of sucks. We're seeing that more and more. Yeah, yeah. Well, and think about it. When's the last time you bought a video game, DVD or CD, whatever it is, for PC? Uh, never. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, not since I was a teenager. I think the last one I remember us getting was uh, Dawn of War 2, maybe. Yeah. No, yeah. that's probably the last one I remember. Everything else, so it's going that way. And even like uh, with Alan Wake or whatever, it's digital only. So like it's cheaper on production and stuff like that. And it's just going to make uh, it's going to make it easier in the future for them to do the diskless drive so you don't own any of the products anymore which is kind of sad but i also get it in the same way it's i could go buy the midnight suns at gamestop for like uh 27 dollars with gamestop pro or in whatever their premium membership is but like if i wanted to buy it through the playstation it's at 60 dollars. so that kind of bums me out yeah no i i I agree. Like I do, I do miss going and picking up games. You know, the last one I I bought was probably the original Witcher. I think I remember going into Walmart and seeing it, and it came in a hefty case. Like it weighed like five pounds, man. Um, and I it caught my eye. Never heard of Witcher before. Like I I think they didn't really have a huge release or anything like that. And bought it and brought it home and like absolutely fell in love with it. And then it became like a cult classic sort of thing. And the rest is history. And that yeah. was the last game I bought. I think I didn't like one or two, but three was I enjoyed three. I played the heck. The story on three was just so good, so good, man. Oh yes, I I didn't like two. I like one. One was more like like true Witcher. Like every every fight was like give and take and you weren't just going to bounce up into some enemies and cut down five of them sort of thing not until like later on in the game but you had to sit down and and brew your potions and and drink your potions and prepare for battle before you went into them like witcher 3 i loved it probably one of my my favorite out of the series but i didn't have that like okay every single battle is going to be life or death sort of feeling to it you know and then i guess uh other that than, you know, looking forward to fishing game. I'm looking forward to Space Marine 2. I don't know if you've seen gameplay videos of it, and it's going to have co-op online. Uh, Space Marine 2 just looks phenomenal with all the stuff that is going on in the background, like the Tyranids are just coming over hills and washing over themselves. It looks so good, man. It looks so good. 
I saw a little clip of it, but I've been I've been avoiding it. Um, I know the first Space Marine. I, I absolutely love. That's right when I moved up to Illinois. Was when that when that game came out. Yeah. And then uh, uh, the other one, uh, Skull and Bones. I'm looking forward to playing that one. Would you? I think it's pushed back to like February or March next year. But you're a big fan of Black Flag, and I think this is like MMO Black Flag. Uh, yeah, I uh, if it keeps getting pushed back, I mean, um, I don't know if we'll, if we'll ever yeah. get to play it, but I am excited about it. Black Flag is probably one of my favorite in my top 10 of all time. No, no. and then uh, moving on to the news, uh, it's kind of a slower news week this week, and I had to pick through some articles that seemed like it interested me and you. Uh, one of the things is Eurogamer came out with an article says Warner Brothers is now focusing on transforming its biggest franchise into, uh, oh shoot, what's the word? The, uh, live service is what they're, uh, wanting to move their biggest franchises to live service. And it seems like everything's doing that. You know, if another company like Fortnite is, you know, getting out the battle passes and everybody's connecting and playing and they're making all this money for it. You know, everybody else wants to be like that and they need to be able to show that, you know, they got this constant stream of income coming and they're going to get the, now Warner brothers was the one that had patented in the idea of like, Hey, if they buy this item right here, let them win a couple of games. Was that right? Or was that EA that did that? You know, I'm not sure. I don't know too much about that situation. Yeah, well, anyways, uh, they're wanting to drive engagement and monetization for longer cycles, so we can expect more live service games in the future. And then, like, I guess live service games now are sort of like the MMOs of the today. But, like, if you got people playing, everybody's playing Diablo, how do you pull people away from Diablo to come try this new thing? You You see what they did with the... You know, all the bad uh, publicity they got for the latest game that came out, the one where you played with all the, uh, I don't know, Harlequin. I can't think of the name of the game. I never played it or whatever. But And now it seemed like they want to take a bigger step and ask the fans, hey, you know, that last game we put out wasn't all that great, but come try this one here. And then, you know, we want you to spend money on it. It doesn't seem like they have a lot of good faith to negotiate with to move to uh, live service right now. No, that's one thing that I got. I got to give Blizzard like they, you know, they made a terrible decision with Diablo, but they kind of backtracked and they they adjusted. Um, WB like they they do not seem to be going that route. Like they got a bad publicity, and they're like, well, maybe if we just wear down the gamers, you know, eventually this would be the standard sort of thing. It is a shame, man, because those Batman games and the you know the the Lord of the Rings game that came out were. That's what I was thinking. If there was a game I'd give a shot would probably be a new Shadows of Mordor because those are pretty awesome. You know, the last one that came out was so monetization heavy. Like, I bounced off of it hard. And not to mention, some of the things that I loved about the first one was the executions and the dominating the... um, the people that you fought and all of that. And they they basically cookie-cuttered it. And then wanted to like um, trickle out the fun through micro transactions and adding loot boxes and stuff like that. I I can't tell you the feeling of like disappointment when I open up a game I'm excited about and see that some of the contents locked behind loot bo- loot boxes and 
and basically pulling the lever on a slot machine. I do not like that. Uh, and then uh, you don't really see a whole lot of loot boxes anymore. Everything's battle pass now. And uh, matter of fact, I still grab my dog and put my hand on his head and suffer me now. You know, <laughs> lead the domination from getting them peons and stuff and extracting information. But that dude was tough, man. I I, I really did like uh, I did like those games. I, and they've just haven't really done a good Lord of the Rings game in a while. It, it just seems like, didn't they have like an open world game coming out that we're calling The Hobbit? What happened to that one? Wasn't that like in the PS4 era? You know, I I do remember something like that. You've given me something I need to do some research on later. And yeah. you know, you're, you're right about the loot boxes too. Um, and I think, you know, I think what, what kind of like put the stopper on that was, uh, like Battlefront, when it came oh. out, it was so bad as far as the loot boxes came. Like people were like spending money, and there was nothing you could do to like fight against them in a competitive game. That's a big thing. Like that's that's yep. probably the most taboo thing to do. Add pay to win, and uh, Disney got involved, and like um, like it it raised the attention of the EU, who basically they released a a big study and as someone that did addiction counseling uh in the past they, the, the house of lords released a study that said that it is the correlation between loot boxes and children growing up to have gambling addictions is so strongly correlated that if they if they could not make loot boxes fit in the definition of gambling they needed to change the definition of gambling to include include loot boxes and I think that scared a lot of companies. Like it wasn't like a month later that uh, Overwatch pulled out loot boxes. Like Fortnite pulled out their loot pinatas. I don't know if any Fortnite players remember that sort of stuff. But um, basically, EA messed up so bad that it drew the attention of the UK. And basically, it was a good thing. We don't see too much of that anymore. No, it's still around. Yeah, and it it 100% I think is gambling. It does. Like, they didn't, for, we had to fight tooth and nail just to see the percentage of what the item was you could get outside the box, you know, just to not mislead the public. And then, if you think, too, like, I'm glad that EU stepped up and was able to do that. But when Mortal Kombat first came out, you know, we had congressional hearings and stuff like that and then they told the people that they needed to get a handle on this violence on video games before the government stepped in because the government don't know what a video game is and they're going to be so heavy-handed with it at the end of it they were nothing to be worth playing so they came out with like the esrp you know and that's where we got it from and but it seemed like it took them so long to get away from them loot boxes. You know, I'm glad I'd take a battle pass over random chance any day where I drop 99 cent and click a button and get something random out of there. I do not enjoy that. And I can't speak for the fact of what sort of uh, damage it does to a young developing mind and shaping their addictions for the future. But it does seem like a good primer to make them uh, readily available to pull a slot in a casino uh, it, it's the same thing you know i i i absolutely agree and I, I hate all of it like i i'm i'm kind of like a true old school gamer like a I'm, i mean i'm in my 30s but I, I feel like a like a old man like shaking his 
his his walking cane at the kids and saying like you don't know what it used to be like and get off my lawn and all of that but um i don't like the battle passes and i I don't like the loot boxes and i don't like the microtransactions i'm iffy on like paying for horse armor and things like that has to be pretty good but uh, at least then when you buy something you know exactly what you're getting you're paying a fixed price you're getting the thing you're not pulling the lever and you know Around the same time that um, that EA had that big blunder with Battlefront, uh, my company sent me to Chicago, which has one of the biggest uh, colleges uh, and and seminars on addiction. And it was so prevalent at that time that some of the speakers, like I, I, I could go in there and basically choose whichever like whichever course that I wanted to go through, or not really a course, but whatever whatever event I wanted to go through. And I went to two of them out of the 10 I had attended. Two of them had brought up the, uh, the topic of, of loot boxes and how strongly correlated they are to the, the, the childhood mind. Um, you know, when you're a kid, your brain is still developing and like it's getting used to all those chemicals. And when you're pulling a lever and it's giving you dopamine and you're building neuro pathways based off of that, that, those chemicals like it is it is very very insidious insidious stuff especially when you think about the fact that they're literal literal people that sat in a room and specifically designed these things to bring in kids you know no. in the next yeah. 10 15 years like i i suspect we're going to see a generation of kids that have no self control based off of like growing up with loot boxes yeah, and it's uh, it, it was there was big stuff about uh, CS:GO with the gambling websites and things like that too, and you know all that stuff's really died down here lately, or at least it hasn't made it to me, you know, where I've heard anything else about it. But uh, it's a lot to think about there with the addictions and you know the children. It's a scary thought, and. It, uh, not only that, you know, I wonder about the impact that COVID had had on the children because I was reading stories about, you know, these kids are schooling from home on Zoom and then the teacher shows up like half hungover wearing pajamas and sits down in front of the camera. And then this young child that's attending this class just alt tabs and starts playing Fortnite or Minecraft or Roblox, whatever it is the cool kids do these days. But like, at what point do we start seeing the effects of that on society? I mean, you saw it with my own daughter. We we went out on the Panama City, and this was like the tail end of COVID. And my my daughter's kind of like me, like easygoing and and doesn't really stress out a lot and everything like that. But um, the very next year after that summer, she was scheduled to go back to school, and she uh, she had a panic attack in the back of the car because of uh, not being not feeling sure of herself being able to go back and do classes in person and you're you're talking about taking kids that are developing their ability to socialize and you're telling them hey you absolutely cannot socialize you cannot if you socialize your grandmother might die you know yeah. i mean covid was a very very serious thing but um if if that was the lesser of two evils then we 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 got some serious issues on our hands when those kids get older I agree. I agree. And it just seems like with the COVID, it, it, it seemed like a dress rehearsal. Uh, and we failed spectacularly at it across, you know, all forms of 
everything that has to do with it, you know, uh, through the media, through the politicians, through, you know, any sort of, we shown that we are not ready for a serious, you know, like 1918 flu uh, outbreak. Like we will not survive. We are not smart enough to survive. <laughs> so, but, uh, and then moving back on to video games, uh, you know, Embracer had a bunch of layoffs this year, and they're they're the ones who's in charge of making that Knights um, of the Old Republic remake. I know that was a big game back when you was in high school. I remember you and Daniel uh, were very excited about that. But uh, it's this one was on PCGamer.com. Uh, the link I clicked on, it seems like they changed the title of it. It just says Embracer CEO flat out refuses to talk about Kodor remake now. And now there's a bracket says anything I say becomes a headline. So I guess he's scared to say anything because people take it out of proportion and change the story on it, which is exactly what it seems like this article is doing here. You know, um, when I clicked on it, it just said it refuses to talk about Kodor remake like he's. They made it sound like he's staring out the blinds, looking at them, like seeing them in the yard and just ignoring them and stuff. But like, he doesn't want to talk about it because anything he says becomes a headline. And this thing he said is like, if I say anything, it becomes a headline has obviously become a headline. So I can understand how frustrating that would be. I don't know where they are on a Kodor remake. I'm looking forward to playing, you know, evil and seeing my dude grow horns and floating off the ground with lightning and electricity. There is so much in that game I want to go back and revisit, but the last time I tried to play it, it has aged so terribly. Graphics ain't a problem. I don't mind playing a game with bad graphics, but like some of the ways you interact and some of the systems in the game was uh, so much. So much. Yeah. So I just want to update to the engine. That's all. I I picked it up and started playing it probably, probably about two, three years back. And uh, I like like I, I I immediately picked up and was like happy and playing it again. And then I got to that that dang quest line where you got to figure out the murder. Oh and, goodness gracious! <laughs> I know exactly which one. The Green Hill is in the background. Yep, yep. And it, like you gotta you gotta investigate and everything like that. And I remember the first time I played through it, I'm like, man, this is really neat. Uh, like that's that's some cool stuff right there. I'm I'm solving a murder. Feel like a detective. The second time I played it, I'm like, I hate this game. And then yeah. like two years ago, I'd like I just turned it off. Like that's where the game ended for me. Like credits didn't roll, but it felt like it did. Yeah, uh, there's a couple video games that stick out like that to me. So like Metal Gear Solid Two, the swimming part where you had to swim through the part of the tanker that was sunk. I don't know if you remember that. Oh yeah. And then, like, with, what is the name of the game? The Mass Effect uh, series, the first time you get to the uh, the ring. City. Yep. Uh, there is a lot of running around and talking. I think that, you know, I think I was cool with just playing very good video games, but I think, like, the third or fourth time I went through that city, that's where it started. There's a lot of running, and there's a lot of talking, and, like, nothing in between. And uh, I think that's where I started breaking as far as, like, patience with some, you know, when I host Dungeons & Dragons for people, one of, my, uh, one of my core values is to respect the people's time. Well, you could be in a mob fight and there's, like, six uh, PCs fighting, like, 20 NPCs 
And then at some point where I could feel like, hey, this has been sort of going on for a while, I'll start fudging the dice, adding little interactions like floor caving in and killing a bunch of them and stuff like that to speed it up, but making it dynamic at the same time. You should always respect your player's time, and there's a lot of games that just do not do that. Uh, uh, Okay, so the last time you was down, we were playing Kingdoms. Uh, Kingdoms, for some reason, Two Crowns specifically, has uh, carved out a part in my life. Uh, All the video games out, I've probably got over 100 hours. I know I have 165 hours in Kingdoms New Crown. When I'm bored, and I just want to turn my mind off, I play that game. When you came down, me and you were pretty much starting to get pissy with each other because, like, the snow started. When the snow starts in Kingdoms Two Crowns, it does not respect your time. What I want to do is run over there and die, and then let the game restart, and then go from there instead of having to deal with the slowness where it's just a trog to get one coin so you can maybe upgrade something tomorrow. You know? Yep. Yep. But, I uh, I feel the same way. Like I. It's such a it's such a perfectly paced game, and then they just throw that in there. And I I understand like if if you save, and you plan, it goes a little bit easier. But even with that, like it, I don't know. Your ho- like, your horse can't eat, so yeah. when he runs out, you got to stand there. Like it, it's just it's a terrible addition in that game. I would like to figure out how to mod and just take that part out of the game like no more snow levels like you can make more dynamic weather like lightning or whatever that destroys a random tree that'd be cool or you know hit you and make you lose coins but like the snow stuff man you gotta stop you gotta stop fury is that their name raw fury is the name of that don't put snow levels in there anymore period please if you listen to my podcast you heard it from the expert you probably between me my partner and my brother Trey, who I'm currently talking to, there's probably no other people in the world who have more time on that game than we do. And we're telling you as a fan, don't um, put snow. I, I own that. I own that game on every single console, including my phone. You get, and, yep, you got it on your phone. Yep, got it on. You my got Switch. it on PlayStation. Yep, and the Switch. Yep, and Steam. Right, correct. Yep, and Steam. So, Look, we've thrown $100 at you, Raw Fury. Please, don't do us like that. And then the last game was fun or whatever, but it doesn't have the replayability that the other ones do. So, yeah, I like the narrative-driven, but not as much as I like the replayability. I'm hoping that they come out with, like, uh, some expansions for it, like they did the other two. And, um, you know, like they bring in more of that sandbox mode let me let me like don't take away the thing that made it beautiful which is like playing at your own pace sort of thing no Um, i agree now i will say that game you've heard me talk a lot about it but that game uh until we die yeah i need to play that one i just it's hard to spend money on pc right now i know man and with a steam deck uh like it would be perfect for the steam deck but i think the last time i tried to play it on there it wasn't it wasn't created for the steam deck but unfortunately, man, like I've been so excited about this game because I was going to I was going to get us a copy when they released it. And I decided like it's been like been like a year since I played it and I got on there and started it up and I realized that they hadn't added anything. So I went back to the developer logs and I guess the developer um, it was over in Ukraine or Russia and uh, he was impacted really hard by the uh, the Ukraine-Russian war. So no. the game development basically screeched to a halt. He's moved away 
Um, I think he's in a safe place now, but he's just now getting his legs back up under him. So it's supposed to start back up. Development's supposed to start back up, but it is a shame to like put that game on the back burner and then come back to check in to figure out, um, you know, it hasn't been updated in a while, which no. by all means, like, man, like be safe. And like what you're going through is much more important than me, like not seeing a game on, on like yeah. not being developed, but I am looking forward to playing that game with you. Now, uh, yeah, I am too. Uh, there's not many that come out in that kind of style, uh, whatever. But I mean, we're gonna have a good. This year wasn't all that great on co-op. I don't think I'm, we played. I think we played Battlefield at the starting of the year, and then yeah. we got on the Tom Clancy uh, Wildlands Two, whatever that one was called. Uh, that one was enjoyable until like four or five hours into the gameplay loop, where you're just take a base, get a gun, take a base, get a gun. And, cool. uh, you know, the farming sim was pretty good. And then we played a lot of Diablo together. But next year, Space Marine and uh, the Skull and Bones, it seems like it's going to be a great year for co-op video games. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, other than that, uh, we're about to wrap up the show. Uh, we got the video game awards. They're going to be on on December 7th. Uh, the big thing is like their uh their game of the year nominees they have six games and then it's been a hell of a year it has like alan wake two's up there and that could easily take it Baldur's gate three's up there uh spider-man two's up there resident evil four which seems to be strange for that one to be up there uh super mario brothers wonder and uh tears of the kingdom so there's all great games on there i don't know why resident evil made it up there or uh i mean wonder's a good game but uh yeah if, uh, listening to the masses probably Baldur's gate or tears of the kingdom is going to get it i hope Baldur's gate gets it because that's i mean tears of the kingdom was uh, like a phenomenon it really was i i hated the first one, like I, and the, and the second one had the same issue, the weapons break and everything like that. And that, you know, that kind of really destroyed the fun factor of the first one. But the second one, Tears of the Kingdom, more than made up for it by allowing you to create things and customize. I, man, I made me, I made me a little gyrocopter on there. And like every time I go out, like I immediately summon that gyrocopter and I explore the world. And that's, that is a blast. If they, if they removed the mana from the game, whatever they call it, the energy stuff, the batteries, yeah. if they remove that from the game, it would only get better. But the way that it is, is fine. You know, yeah. like if they remove that energy stuff and allowed you to just use it as like a sandbox and go everywhere, wherever you wanted to go, like, there, there'd be no harm in that. That's yeah. a one improvement I can make. If they removed it and then did like a durability thing, do you think that would be better? Like occasionally you would have like a bird or something attack you in the sky. That way, like you can't just make a tank and just roll over the game. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would love something like that. Like, yeah. um, now it can't be durability like those damn weapons because it's not no. like pulling out your master sword and breaking it on a hobgoblin, but. Yeah, as long as you're not flipping it over or running into things intentionally, it should be okay was my sort of uh, train of thought. And too much in life do we get told no, and then video games is the one place where you want to be told yes. So why take away the thing that's super fun? Yeah, 
or put a limit on it. You know, we had limits when we were children. We don't have them now. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess me and you will do our, uh, I don't, I don't think we, I wouldn't like to argue what we think should be the game of the year. Instead, maybe we can come up with our top three games of the year personally. Like I'll have my own top three and you have your own top three and we'll probably do that. Uh, probably the weekend before Christmas Eve. So, uh, if we want to start thinking about the things that had the most impact on us, uh, this year, as far as releases, we'll say December, uh, December 17th, because the next one will be Christmas Eve. So we'll do one on Christmas Eve. We may not do a podcast on Christmas Eve and then come back the following week and then uh, get caught up on everything in news. But uh, yeah, anyways, is there anything you'd like to add before we close it off today? No, I think that's it. As always, this is always fun. You guys can reach us at the Big Boy Gaming Show at gmail.com and you can send us your thoughts. You can send us questions. We'd love to answer it. And, um, you know, anything you guys believe that would make the podcast better, we'd be open ears. You know, we're doing it for other people like us who enjoy video games. And we will see you on the other side of Thanksgiving. Peace out.